0: And we're back, Mike Cernovich, Cernovich.com, here with a special guest to talk about issues with veterans and how veterans are using psychedelics for to treat traumatic brain injury and PTSD. And we have a very special guest. I'll let him introduce himself. But he was a Ranger Battalion, 3rd Battalion for a number of years. I think he had four deployments, five deployments to Iraq and Afghanistan. He's been fully vetted. This is a real guy. This is not a pretender so
1: we'll welcome him miles hey mike thanks for having me my pleasure dude so what do you want to talk about uh i guess we could just talk about the whole how veterans are starting to gravitate to the uh, plant medicine uh I, I guess space you could say uh, i think a lot of them have tried a lot of these other things the therapy some of the uh, uh other technologies out there and it's just not working out for them and i can think you can see that in the numbers especially with the spike in suicides and uh, the depression, everything else out there. Uh, And a lot of veterans are starting to gravitate towards Ibogaine, ayahuasca, 5 DMT, so on and so forth.
0: So it's a good question. How did they find this information? And what are some of the problems veterans have had that have gone untreated?
1: Well, first off with the, how they find this is through the network, uh, the veteran network, uh, especially the soft guys—they have their, they've all their own people, all underground networks, you know the deal—and uh, they just had started having a lot of issues. Not really, some of it was PTSD, a lot of it was traumatic brain injuries, uh, concussions, explosions, so on and so forth. Some of them was just adjusting, assimilating, and just rage issues because they no matter if you retired, or left the army early, uh, they're just. They're away from their tribe. They had their own community. And now they're away from them. they're alone. And they're just mental health issues just plague. It's loneliness. And a lot of them are just they hit the bottle, or they just need to uh, uh find something else. Right. And plant and plant medicine is that something else. We got we got Syra out
0: here. If you hear her in the background, she's here with some um pretend ice cream scoops it's is pretty cute, yeah, I think a lot of people don't understand how much alcohol is
1: consumed in the military and then outside of the military, yeah, I mean, alcohol is a big one uh that's what guys gravitate naturally, it's easy to get a hold of, uh it's socially acceptable, um you know it's not illegal to have uh and, but it still does so much damage and and I think a a lot of it uh contributing factor to, to a lot of guys' issues. I mean, you're drinking, you go out, you get a DUI. I mean, you'll probably get fired from your job. You're kicked out of Ranger Battalion
0: Oh, yeah, if you're active
1: duty, you're kicked out of Ranger Battalion, you're kicked out of your soft unit, you're pretty much done. Um, if you're civilian or you're outside, you're now, uh, your license is going to be revoked for maybe a number of months, a year, two years, what have you. You get into fights. Yeah, get into fights. And, and the thing is, it's just... The pr- problems just it just downward spirals, um, and, and and I've never drank. I've never been drunk, uh, and I just because I always saw the problems. I grew up in Mississippi, and it's just everybody knew how to DUIs, and that's how how do you st- resist the peer pressure
0: not to drink? I mean, you, you they must have been harassing you.
1: Oh yeah. It's all the time. Yeah, you know, I I navigate uh, pretty well in those uh, in those spaces, but uh, uh, it, especially in the deep south. Now it's just something I never, I never liked the taste of alcohol. I never always saw people around me getting in trouble, making bad decisions. I I hang out with a, uh, the bad boys, so to speak. And you go to a lot of places, you want to be firing on all cylinders, have all, all your senses about you and you don't want to be drunk or caught slipping, you know, as they say. But, uh, yeah, no. Uh, and that's why some people are surprised I've gotten to this space because my reputation is that I don't drink, I don't smoke, I don't do anything. Uh, maybe take too many trips to Thailand, but you know that's for another podcast, right, Mike?
0: <laughs> right, right. Traveling. World, <laughs>
1: world of Traveling. Yeah, World of Traveling. We, we could make an episode on that.
0: Well, we could do one on hacking military uh, retirement. A lot of people don't know, especially, mm-hmm. especially single men. They think you have to be a multimillionaire to travel. Yeah, and you really don't if you know how to hack it. But yeah, we'll try to we'll try to keep on topic here, which is so you've always avoided drugs, you've always avoided alcohol. I've never even seen you drink wine socially, with me or anyone else. And now you're like a woo woo, you know, psychedelic guy. So let's talk about how you tried that because I yeah I try to you know bully you and peer pressure you, and you don't tend to tend to succumb to that. So how did you end up in this world?
1: Yeah, well, I had uh, last year just had. I was getting out of Columbia. I did undergrad grad school there. And it's like, okay, what am I going to do for a career? And since I'm in the veteran space, I know I have eyes and ears everywhere. And everybody I know in corporate America, veteran-wise, they're miserable. Who's a legit guy? Who's a good guy? They're only staying there because they have a family. They're, they're a wage slave. And, you know, I, was, I had a lot of depression issues. As You know, what am I going to do? I don't really stress out or anything. People don't see it, but I was. And January of last of this year, I was coming uh, back from shot shows, going to LA, see some friends, hang out. And I got invited to, uh, go to, uh, a veterans retreat. And I did five MEO DMT. And I mean, at that point I was like, screw it. I'll do whatever. Uh, I researched it a little bit. I had a coach before I went to the experience. Um, Evan Osmat, I was given a coach by Being True to You. It's a company that helps guide people through their me- through their uh, plant medicine experiences. And I went into it, smoked 5-MeO-DMT, uh, and I just pretty much saw my body floating through the universe, and it was just a kaleidoscope of colors. I've never felt anything like this. Not, I mean, I've re- really never done anything before like this. I've had multiple surgeries, and... And put down but this was just a completely different experience is pretty much indescribable and I knew wow that was amazing and as I left the experience I was driving back to Mississippi and I still had residual effects I'd feel depression come on but they don't dissipate it was, I mean it was amazing and as of this moment this time I've never been depressed since that experience I've never Uh, calm, cool, and collective at all times, no real stress. Um, and, and that's what really turned me on to everything. It was just, okay, something's here. Uh, it's not the kumbaya stuff. That's what I thought it was a bunch of hippie stuff, but I know a lot of other guys in the special operations community are getting into it because it works. The pills aren't working. Alcohol sure doesn't work. And a lot of these therapists, they're, they're con artists looking to make money off of you. They don't care about you. So, uh, and again, this, I know a lot of guys who committed suicide. So it was, uh, you know, something I believed in. So I started pushing guys this way since again, I am in the veteran space. I help out a lot of veterans with, uh, education and, uh, with their benefits, so on and so forth. So it was just, uh, something, since I'm kind of the hub, I just started funneling guys that way. And uh, it's just growing rapidly. The space. Uh, well, you mentioned yeah. You mentioned a lot of points.
0: One, the number one is the biggest obstacle I had before I ever did five mEO DMT was this is a problem. I think uh, Western men, men especially, is in Russia you can go to the sauna. You know, they'll beat you up and everything. But in America, you think, oh, I'm not a guy. I'm not going to go to a spa or a sauna or anything like that. And the same thing is true with psychedelics. Oh, that's for weak people. That's for a bunch of, you know, hippie dorks. They've never actually done anything. They've never been in the mix. They've never been in a fight. So I imagine that was an even bigger
1: barrier with people like you who have, you've had what, how many deployments? Yeah. Five deployments I've contracted. I've been around uh, a little bit, you know, a lot of guys have been around more than me, but enough to know what's what. And yeah, I mean, it's, I'll tell you right now, it's safer than hydrocodone or Oxycontins. So, and that's prescribed, that's legal. Uh, so
0: what's typical? Let, let's talk about the pathway. You mentioned a friend, you know, you've had friends commit suicide. I remember um, another guy, he was 3rd Battalion, called me, was pretty pretty upset because somebody who was a ranger instructor, ranger battalion, like 8 to 10 deployments. He was the one of the hardest ass guys you could ever met. He killed himself And this is something that it doesn't really, it doesn't get talked about in a meaningful way. People go, oh, 22 vets a day commit suicide is one of those really talking points. But people who have been in the mix kill themselves and people didn't realize that. Because if you're a ranger, you think it's psychologically you're weak or something, but it's actually physiological. Your brain is being rewired. So like a lot of people listening in, maybe they don't know what like AC-130 is. What's it like when, you know, you call an air
1: fire and they start dropping bombs? I mean, if, if you're on the good end of it, it's exciting. Um, if there are, if you're by surprise and you're taking fire, it's, I mean, it's a little bit exciting too, but the thing is, it's, it's an adrenaline rush, something you can't get anywhere else. And a lot of guys, they get into it because it's so exciting. They're with their buddies. It's fun. You're with your tribe. It changes you, your priorities in life change to wear a lot of the stuff in the West. It just doesn't mean anything like the clothes or the watch you wear, all that stuff. It's just material stuff that, that doesn't really mean anything. It's you could go at any moment and that's what you realize. Like what's real important to you right now. The bombs though, don't you, wouldn't you feel those when they, when you, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's concussion now that uh, a lot of tests are coming out, even shooting the goose off. It, uh, it gives you a lot of neurological, neurological issues, uh, and, and they're starting to see a lot of that. Even if you do survive, uh, let's say an ID, they're finding, uh, you know, traces of elements of, of uh, hazardous materials in guys' bodies. It messes up your hormones. Uh, it, the list goes on and on. And that's why you're seeing a lot of guys with a lot of issues. And and people look at them, especially your average civilian people in the West, like, hey, what's wrong? With they don't understand this guy's having a chemical imbalance or something because it's something that happened overseas, and he has nobody to turn to. He's an outcast. He's a leper now. And then depression sets in. Then he goes to alcohol. And then he's like, you know what? I'm a burden to everybody. I'm just going to do the deed. I'm going to off myself.
0: A lot of this stuff, too, is physiological. And, well, first of all, if there's, it's kind of a false dichotomy to talk about psychological versus physiological because the mind-body are connected. But a book that I read, Violence Action, The Untold Stories of the 75th Ranger Regiment— I didn't appreciate how you, know, you guys, are, you draw on fire and then you do a call for fire. When they drop the bombs, you feel that yeah yeah in, yeah. Your, in your body. And if you're feeling, it's like a big base or something
1: like that, mm-hmm. that's going to reverberate through your brain as well. Yeah, it's a concussion wave. And it, it's just, you're not going to realize the effects till after. And a lot of the guys at the beginning of the war, they, they were just like, okay, whatever, doing breaching charges, shooting a ton of Gustav rounds. And now it's come out that they're so destructive. Uh, And that's why a lot of guys, I know some, some mortars uh, in Ranger Battalion, uh, they shot, I can't remember, it's how many mortars during a, one of the uh, battles, recent battles in GWAT. And a lot of the guys, uh, they got medically retired out of the army. Just, and these guys are like 22 because they shot so many mortar rounds. It, uh, it did so much damage to their, to their uh, internal organs that they couldn't function again. They had uh, uh, neurological issues. Their uh, uh, was it, uh, you know, their whole body was just they, they would lose function of their body and they couldn't they couldn't op- operate in their job anymore. So they were medically retired. And the thing is, you're 22. What do you do that from there? You go to college. You're, you try to get a job, and you have to go to the doctor all the time. And then your employer's like, "Hey, you're you're a liability. You have too many problems. We're just gonna fire you." And yeah.
0: It's a perfect storm because one, you go from being, you know, fire team leader, life and death decisions with everybody to a shared mission to you leave and now you're just a regular person in the real world with no mission, aimless. And then you do have the physiological problems of the concussions, the micro concussions, breaching doors with C4, uh, massive bombs being dropped even when you're in a so-called safe area, you're feeling those shockwaves in your body. And if you're feeling those in your body, then you're obviously going to feel
1: those in your brain. And it's going to rewire your brain in ways that I think people don't understand. Yeah. They don't understand it. And, and it's like, it may not come out till years from now, what's really going on. But the, the thing is, is trying to assimilate back into American society. It's for a lot of guys, it's impossible. They can fake it for only so long until they snap Uh, I had a buddy of mine, he works in corporate America, New York. He's a Ranger. He's married with kids. So he has to stay in the game. But he tells me, I see a lot of Rangers coming to this major company and they last a year or two before they drop out. And I had uh, a conversation with a university with one of their deans and he's, was telling me, Hey, we have an issue. Uh, These veterans It's not that they're not competent. They can't perform uh, with, you know, higher than their peers or equal with their peers and, in corporate America, it's just that they're having issues to where they don't want to work in corporate America. They do a year or two, and I told them, and you know, it's best to start pushing a lot of these uh, veterans to entrepreneurship, farming, uh, stuff like that. It's just trying to get them to assimilate. It's they're a new person, uh, and you know, it's not bad. Uh, not physically, they have issues. Mentally, uh, they may have some mental issues, but they've repri- prioritized their lives to where. They don't care about watching the Kardashians or being in with the Joneses or doing the latest trend. Uh, they kind of just want to be around nature or just relax. It's not only guys who got out recently in their 20s, it's guys who, are in, who did 20 years in special operations and they just kind of want to retreat back to the woods or sit on, sit on a mountain or something.
0: It's hard for me to imagine what it's like for you guys because I went to... Basic training when I was seventeen, before my senior year in high school, it's like a, called the National Guard Split Ops. So you go do basic training before your senior year in high school, and then you do AIT the next year. So I was a senior in high school, and all I'd done is went to basic training. And my teachers would they'd yell at us. I would just laugh at these people. I you mature so much in eight weeks that when you're around other people in high school, or even teachers. I remember getting we had a teacher he was famous for throwing a temper tantrum when he got upset or whatever, and I'm thinking, dude, I I got yelled at by guys with a combat infantry badge, and that was before, you know, that many people even had a CIB, I did basic in 95, I can't imagine what it's like for people who are in the mix, and what a lot of people don't know, because of Hollywood, they really love the Navy SEALs, and not really anybody knows what Ranger Battalion even is, you're a private, but you have immense responsibility.
1: Yeah, if you don't you have responsibilities, constant pressure, constant heat. And if you don't perform, you get, you get thrashed daily, uh, smoked as they say. But, uh, and if they don't like you, they just get rid of you, kick you to regular army. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, you were, you went through in 95, I went through national guard in 2001, I had a Vietnam vet in my national guard unit. He was like a 50 year old E four, you know, machine gunner on a Huey, but yeah, it's the amount of responsibility uh, it's so much more than most 18 year olds, even guys in their 30s who, I mean, just being in New York, I encounter some of these guys and they've never had any responsibilities. Whereas, and the thing is, these are life and death decisions. So you really have to take in account, into account other people's uh, lives, men and equipment, you know, everything. And that really changes you because you see what else is out there and you see how responsible you have to be. And then when you do reach that level of responsibility, you can never go back to being just average Joe
0: in your, your, so your brains be wired. So in the, in the best of circumstances, you're 21 or 22 and now you have to go to some, I don't know, college with a bunch of idiots walking around in sweatpants thinking they're cool, tough because they want sports and play foosball, just being idiots. And that's assuming your brain hasn't been rewired through you know uh, TB TBIs and, and other issues. So it's hard to be around People who are, and you're just, you're in a type A environment, amped up all the time. You're, like you said, most people don't know in the army. You you can't quit the army, but Ranger Battalion is one exception where you show up even if they don't like you. They don't like the way you look, the way you act. You're gone. Release for standards. That's, that's it. So you grow up in this really high achievement environment. You have to make it happen all the time. You're amped up. You're used to that shock of war. And then your brain is rewired in ways that people don't even understand this day. I mean, even in NFL they find out like junior say how other people when they make they commit suicide, they're shooting themselves in the chest now so that they can study the brain to find out how there's plaque formation in the brain. Everything is set up basically for you guys combat veterans to come home and fail.
1: Yeah, I mean, we we just don't have that support. I mean, even in the NFL, they have that support. And look, they're still having suicides and stuff. We don't have any of that support. I mean, We can go to the VA. My VA in New York, Dr. Glasser, she's been phenomenal. I mean, she's been great. I'm in and out, all that stuff. But they're still trying to figure out stuff. They're still trying to figure out what's going on. Me, per se, I mean, I didn't really... had a lot of physical uh, injuries, surgeries. I have electronics in my spinal cord, uh, a battery in my back, everything. Um, I'm much better off than a lot of guys out there. Uh, And that's kind of why I like to help veterans, kind of like, hey, you... This is how you have to be. You're a new person. This is and you know, a lot. You see a lot of the veterans, especially going to universities, they're gravitating towards rugby, uh, contact sports, stuff like that, to try to get into another group of people who are aggressive, type A personalities. Uh, potentially, some guys getting a frats. A lot of guys getting a CrossFit because they want to be a, be around a community, and they have to be around a community. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's it's tribal. And uh, I try to push guys to be involved, to keep busy. Because once you get a guy alone, uh, that's when you have problems. I mean, even if uh, we had a farm growing up, and if you put a goat or a dog alone, you just hear him screaming back there in the pen. And it's the same with people. It's no different. You put a guy alone, especially an alpha alone by himself. He's used to working in a small team environment. He's going to have a lot of issues. His brain's going to start overanalyzing stuff and maybe start talking to him about how depressed he is as, you know, life isn't that great now, you know, he reached his peak and it's over and it starts eating at, at you after a while. So, uh, and yeah. you didn't
0: have any, you didn't have any kids. You didn't have any, so most of these people, people get married and have kids young, right?
1: Yeah. A lot of these guys get married young. They have kids. And I think that goes back to the world war two generations of, of guys who were just, they had kids young. So, so on and so forth and now you have guys especially in special operations uh, particularly Ranger Battalion who have uh, they, they marry young 21, 22 and they have kids they have those responsibilities and on top of their job you people are messed up
0: veterans started trying different entheogens. I think people call them rather than psychedelics because yeah there's a certain language people use. They call it the medicine, plant medicine, entheogens. I see you're reading DMT, the spirit molecule. Yeah. That's the book I read before I did 5-MeO-DMT. I think, I think that was over 10 years now before. The first I'd ever done was 5-MeO-DMT, and I did podcasts about that. And I don't need to talk about that. People can listen to those old ones. So you, the first one you ever did was 5-MeO-DMT.
1: Yeah, yeah, and... uh I mean, it was a life changing experience, and honestly, when it comes to entheogens, it's uh, that's nothing. That's a short duration. There's so much more out there. And I was in Africa talking to a guy who's did. He's done ibogaine, iboga over 20 times, and uh, which is a lot. Most people do ibogaine; it's once or twice in a lifetime. And he just said that uh, with the ibogaine, it, it, uh, it he just continues the duration every time. And also there's so many plants in Africa that have psychedelic effects. They call it the university of the forest because it's impossible to study all of them. There's so many out there. So people specialize. Some people do fungi just like university specialize. There's fungi. Some people just do ayahuasca. Some people just do ibogaine so on and so forth. It's, what was
0: your experience? What, what did you notice? How did, how did it go down? What was the vibe? Uh,
1: the toad, which they also you know, the five MEO, the toad, uh, I had no expectations going in, and that's the best way to go. Uh, That's what my coach, he told me as well, and I kind of fasted a little bit, but I really don't think you need to for the toad. Uh, But I went in, and instantly it took me out. I just went out, and I started, I tried to fight it, tighten up, but it's impossible. So as I loosened up my body, everything, I just gave in, uh, and I was choking It was like a choking noise too. And they initially they thought I was choking on my tongue or something, but I wasn't. And, uh, I just, it felt so comfortable to just relax. And I was just breathing just, and it sounded like a choking noise. And then it just whited out. And I saw like a white silhouette. Then I came out of it and they had to teach me how to smoke because I'd never smoked anything before right. in my life. They're right. like, I had to get actually practice how to smoke and, I was like, I just was honest. Like, listen, I've never smoked anything before. Y'all have to teach me how to smoke, how to inhale, all this stuff. And so when I came out of it, I came right back up and I was like, hey, I think I messed something up. Uh, you know, and they hit me again. I went under and uh, I passed right out uh, and just saw myself floating through the universe and a kaleidoscope of colors. And I came right out of it and I could feel every cell of my body pulsating just like power and energized and is the most tremendous feeling ever. And, uh, yeah, and it was a group is professionally done a group of people, a doctor, uh, some other soft vets in there and people I trusted. It, it wasn't as, uh, you know, it wasn't anything shady it has been vetted. Um, and that's one thing I'll say, make sure it's people you trust. It's a vetted, uh, deal. Uh, and did you see fractals, yeah, yes, yeah, like the kaleidoscope and stuff, yeah,
0: like I saw that, that too some yeah. people don't i i when I did, there were ten or twelve other people, and me i you you learn a lot about yourself when you take this one is you learn what it's like to be powerless yeah you you either surrender or you're in you're in a fit. I actually fought my way out of I saw the kaleidoscope and then I felt like I was dying yeah. that lift off and and there is no way you can fight it at first. That's what a lot of people going in think, well, I'll I'll control the experience. You're not
1: going to control anything. (laughs) dude. I've I've seen the hardest of the hard go in there and yeah, I don't care who you are. It's going to take you down. Um, yeah. I mean, for me, it felt like I curled up in a ball and cried when I was in there or something. And I asked the people later, did I curl up or something? They're like, no, It's like, damn gum. You know, it's, that's how powerful the medicine is. Um, it, and that's what everybody goes through. It's like it's indescribable. And people ask you, like, "Well, how was it?" Or what? Honestly, you just have to do it. And I think you'll reinforce that as well. You just got to do it. Um, everybody has their own experience.
0: Yeah, well, and we're definitely not um, encouraging anyone to do anything. You know, they, everybody has to be under a doctor's supervision and everything. I'll throw yeah. my throw my usual disclaimers. But did you feel so? You you went through it, and what did you? experience afterwards what were the after effects
1: the after effects i was still seeing visions uh, a few days later uh, i pulled over i was driving back from la going all the way back to the deep south and i had to sleep so i pulled into a gas station and i it was about five o'clock in the morning and i closed my eyes tried to go to sleep and then i couldn't go to sleep i started seeing these visions and then somebody turned in front of me and aged like a caveman. And then it whited out. And I thought, oh, wow, it's, it's light outside. I didn't get any sleep. It's sun outside. So I opened my eyes up. And it was still pitch black. And, yeah, I was just seeing, I was seeing visions. Uh, even a week later when I was, I was in New York in uh, Butler Library, uh, Columbia, studying. I would try to go to sleep early in the morning. And I'd still see visions. And uh, that happened for a while. It still happens now. And it's not something that bothers me. I actually think it's pretty uh, fascinating. Um, uh, however, I've done a lot more psychedelic since.
0: Yeah, we'll talk, about, we'll talk about some of those for sure. So you went in, you took the medicine, as people call it, or you call it the toad, 5-MEO-DMT. You experienced that ego death. Do
1: you feel like it healed your brain at all? Yeah, no more depression. I would feel it coming on and go away. Why do you think that is? I have no clue. I think, uh, I think I can go more in depth talking about the other plant medicines, but it was, uh, I mean, it just, it was amazing. Uh, I I mean, i never would have thought that would have happened. Uh, I got rid of all my pills. I went to my therapist, talked to her. I was like, yeah, I haven't had any medication in a while. And she, she was kind of, she was fascinated by it. And, uh, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a life-changing experience. That's what really wet my palate, so to speak. That was your introduction then. Yeah. yeah. And what did you do after that? What did I do after that? I talked to my coach, Evan Osmet, from being true to you. A f- phenomenal coach, by the way. He is an Gang coach. That's his specialty. And he walked me through the process. And, and what's this? He helped me. He didn't project He just helped me walk through the process, and later I was going to do Ibogaine plus the toad after Ibogaine, and he prepared me for that experience as well. He taught me how to navigate the medicine.
0: So how did Ibogaine, because I've never done Ibogaine. I actually hadn't even heard of it until I started talking to you. How does Ibogaine compare to
1: ayahuasca or 5-MeO-DMT? Again, everybody's uh, experience is different, but I will say with Ibogaine generally, it's a longer You can do it over a weekend. Uh, Most people do 12 hours to 25 hours. My experience was 30 hours. And ayahuasca, you have ceremonies and it lasts between four to six hours. There's no better. They just do different things. You're in the University of the Forest. It's just going to the medicine cabinet, see which one works for you at that particular point. Ibogaine is known to treat uh, drug addiction. It helps with the withdrawals. I uh supposedly 70% of heroin addicts who do it go cold turkey. Um I I in January of this year, I think I was 195 after after Ibogaine and the toad after that experience, I dropped down to 185 and after ayahuasca doing it in May. I did Ibogaine and the toad in April and ayahuasca in Peru in May. Uh went down there with Heroic Hearts, an, uh, another nonprofit. Uh, Jesse Gold, who runs that, and after that experience, I dropped another ten to fifteen pounds. So I'm probably around one seventy one right now. I think yeah, you've seen me through a lot of these. Experiences. Yeah, you were a little chubby when I, you know, we first met a few years ago, and you weren't, you know, you
0: weren't fat or anything, but you, you had that, you know, a lot of guys, you, you get peak physical performance, and then your body burns out, and you get a little soft, and now you're looking lean.
1: Yeah, and so when I did a Ibogaine, uh Evan. He coached me, you know, when you take the medicine, this is how you navigate it. And it sounds kind of weird, but it is true. The medicine does talk to you and you can ask it, ask it questions. And it, what's that like then? Because a lot of people have never
0: done anything like that, or they've only heard secondhand stories. What, what does it mean by the
1: medicine talks to you? The medicine just legitimately talks to you. It, 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 when you go into the experience, uh, I went through with some other vets and high-performing vets, soft vets, and, uh, you know, everybody's skeptical. And that's what's funny to see when people go in. You see these guys and their peak physical conditioning, studs, arms crossed. They don't believe it, but they're down there because their buds buddies were like, listen, just trust me, go down there, do it, you'll be a better man for it. So they go in, and uh, the medicine, you can't fight it. It's more powerful than you more powerful than man and when before you go in have a list of questions of stuff that's happened for example okay good okay
0: yeah. uh, and that's what I'm trying to I'm trying to guide you in a way because I I know a few things but without overriding your experience but when I did ayahuasca the um, I did it with a very serious person who'd done a lot of times and what they told me to do and, and it worked out well for me was I took a lot of time to myself I did a fast. Uh, no dairy, no caffeine, just ate fruit for a few days and I would hike. And they would tell you before you go in, you're trying to focus your intent on what you want to get out of the experience. You're thinking, because you don't know consciously necessarily what you want to know, but going in, you're going to have, it's hard to explain again for people who haven't done it, but you're going to have a conversation. And whether that conversation is with yourself or with interdimensional beings or with the medicine you are going to have a conversation and it helped me to go in there with an idea of what I wanted to get out
1: yeah and that's the thing I'm glad you brought up uh, the diet the fasting uh it's it's similar to with abugain as ayahuasca ayahuasca is more extreme when it comes to that uh the diet for abugain is it's really not too crazy don't eat red meats don't uh no stimulants, no coffee, none of that stuff. And when you go in, try to not eat probably twelve hours before you take the medicine and some people purge. Uh, they throw up. that is. Mm-hmm. and what they're doing, they're purging all the dark Well, You're gonna energy. purge out of one one part of you. That's it's gonna be yeah. you're gonna be running the toilet a lot one way or another. Yeah, most most people throw up. The yeah. guy next to me was throwing up a lot. Um, and again, have questions and by questions, I mean, Everything from why was your dad angry growing up? What happened in your childhood that made you like this? What's going on here? Can you trust this person you're doing business with? What you know it, it and when you go in, you're going to get answers for a lot of that, and it gives you uh, it gives you uh, what is was the word I'm looking for, uh, kind of closure on any matters, anything that's left open with your ex wife, your exes. Uh, and I went in and I just, I started seeing like sparks. I went in kind of late. I think 30 minutes or an hour it took. I took a pill. I took Ibogaine capsule. It wasn't in this country. Uh, so I haven't broken any laws. So I took the Ibogaine capsule 30 minutes later. I mean, we had, we had a fire ceremony, uh, with some of these people who do Ibogaine, they go, it's like four hours. They go through like the ritual process with a lot of the guys, the demographic I'm with, the soft fit. They don't want any of that. They're just like, give me the stuff. I'm going to go in. They don't do a lot of the, uh, it, we talked about yesterday.
0: Dun- no, it's dungeons and dragons role-playing. Yeah. yeah. I, what well, before I did five MEO DMT, I almost left because we did this huge ceremony where the guy had daggers. And I could tell, man, this guy has never been yeah. like cool in his life. And this is going to be his way to play out as Dungeons and Dragons fantasy for the rest of his life. And my, my approach is just more like, look, there's no ritualism around this. We know what it is. Yeah. It's going to take you under. We don't need to play role-playing games that are like we're in Final Fantasy or something like that.
1: Yeah, and in my demographic, we don't deal with that. We're like, hey, just let's get down to business. And you're the same way. And uh, some people, do. they do a four-hour. We just went in. We did a fire ceremony. We talked about our problems, what we want to get out of this. We took a capsule, uh, and, and then thirty minutes later, we were in bed. And we they brought another capsule. We took it, and uh, for some people, it reacted pretty quick. Fifteen minutes, twenty minutes later, after the second capsule, and the guy next to me was just purging left and right. And uh, I was I could hear him, and then I started seeing sparks because we have a blindfold on and there's music playing to get you in the split. The space and also in Africa, uh, the Boiti tribe who does this, the Abugain, they have they play music and when they play music, it's for a specific body part too, to help the medicine go through that body part. So I thought that was pretty cool. And I started seeing sparks. I started going through tunnels, and then I went into the galaxy. I could see stars. And were you
0: aware of what you were doing, or did you feel like you had control? When I did five meo DMT. I learned what it meant to have no free will or even the illusion of free will, which for me was the most profound insight. Whether or not we have free will or whether it's illusions, it's a different conversation. But there was no me directing traffic. But when I was in Ayahuasca, I felt in control within limits of the
1: experience. How does Ibogaine compare? Well, you do have more control with Ibogaine. I will say that. You can request, like, I want to go... I was going through tunnels and then I went through the ga- went through like a galaxy and then I'd be like, Well, I want to go back through the tunnels again. So I'd go back through these tunnels. And I've heard other people do ibogaine. in my same demographic, they say the same thing. They are they have a lot they were surprised at how much control they had with the medicine Ibogaine. And I know with the Biwiti tribe, they'll give people Ibogaine, Iboga, matter of factly, Iboga. And they'll tell them, okay, when you go to the other side, bring back information for us. And they're kind of like guides, point men, so to speak, uh, for military guys. They do a reconnaissance. They bring you back information. With this, I had a lot of control. Then it would take me other places. I would talk to other people. uh, And just, it was nothing that was just, I mean, just like floating dogs, stuff like that. And again, I was under for 30 hours uh, in the middle of it my stomach started hurting and I started talking to something, I guess it was God or like a higher being. And I would, uh, I talked to like a higher being and I'd just be like, you know, I don't want to purge. And he goes, Oh, that's fine. Nothing's wrong with you. You don't have to purge. And he says, your friend over there is having a rough time. I was like, yeah, he is. He, He sounded horrible. And, uh, so I went with him. We went to all these other places, uh, there's like floating dogs, um, no elves, no mechanical elves. Okay, so elves.
0: when you say you had a guide, were you did you see a physical manifestation no. of it or did
1: you just felt it? I felt it and it was talking to me. Okay. And it wasn't my subconscious because right. it's very witty, very smart, and it, it it would take me to these other places and tell me all about mankind, how the reason we're sick and we have all these issues because we've we've gotten away from nature. We need to get back to nature. We're trying to be too complicated. Uh, the world is upside down. We don't need all this technology. And it'd say stuff like that.
0: And it's interesting too, because when I was doing my research for the, for the podcast, it was started off as an opiate treatment. So how did people figure out that hit, hit out all these
1: other properties? Well, I know that the guy who was treating, he used to do a lot of heroin addicts, uh, crystal meth so on and so forth and somebody brought him a veteran he's like yeah i'll treat him and it just went on from there is strictly organic it, no ulterior motives of let me milk the veterans the guy was genuinely wanting to help as you know in this network this demographic word spreads and by word of mouth and that's how we kind of found it and uh if, it, if something works we're going to call in all our buddies be like, Hey, you need to get this because it's going to help you out. And that's what happened. So yeah, I mean, it, the experience that I would experience was phenomenal. And, and in the middle of it, I got hungry and I was like, Oh man, I was talking to this, this guy and he's like, I was like, I thought you said I wasn't going to purge. He's like, well, talk to your stomach. And I talked to my stomach and it, my stomach was like, Hey, you need to eat. I'm hungry. So and I was like, well, and then I started negotiating with my stomach. Well, you know, if I eat, are you going to purge? He goes, well, maybe. <laughs> and, you know, you just have to find out. So I came out of it, went upstairs, ate real quick, and then went right back down into it. And I talked to my stomach. like, are you good now? And he just gave me a thumbs up said, yep, I'm good. And no more issues. And uh, I went back into the experience of going to these other places. Has ibogaine affected how you're living your life? Oh yeah, I mean I've lost weight. I didn't eat a lot of the processed foods anymore, and not only urges with drugs because I don't have a drug, any drug issues. It was more some of the food. I'd get depressed. I'd eat some of the food as food therapy, right? Mm-hmm. I stopped eating a lot of the food I was eating, and then I still still drank a lot of coffee, and but I lost about ten pounds, and people could notice it. And, uh, my God, Evan, he's, you know, I had, cause, uh, I was with the nonprofit, all that other stuff. I had, uh, some, I was able to talk to him after the experience and he helped me out. He got me into meditating and how to meditate to get back in that place. And I would do that through microdosing as well. So, but, uh, my Ibogaine after that, I came out on a, I went in on a Friday night, came out on a Sunday morning around two, two AM and then, Later that morning, I did the toad again. And so it's a more intense experience because when you do ibogaine or ayahuasca, your mind is open. You've blown your mind a little bit. So the the, the toad is going to sink you in, and it's going to be a more intense experience. My experience with the toad then, it went on for about 90 minutes. Do you, what have you noticed with other veterans when they do it? it's it's night and day I love seeing the transformation guys go in they're skeptical and then that when they come out they are they're happy they're like wow this is amazing this is amazing
0: yeah so physiologically you feel like it's rewiring your brain oh it rewires way. your
1: brain it sets you and and I believe that's why I was created. That's why the plants were created. And that will lead me into ayahuasca as well. I did ayahuasca a month later, which is kind of, if you're going to do an intense experience like that, you have to wait at least a month. I was kind of on the bubble because I, it was so soon, the Ibogaine. Mm-hmm. So I went down to Peru with Heroic Hearts, Jesse Gold who created it. And we did uh, Peru out in the middle of the jungle at La Medicina. Uh, that's a place down there I, I would like to put out because it's a legitimate place with a good guy. And, and I had a coach before I went in there too, because it's a different medicine. So I need a different coach. So my coach with that was Jamie Lerner. She'd lived down in Peru for four years. She worked in corporate America. And it's funny, some of these people, these guides, they get a calling and they go down to the jungle. It's like the plants have called them. And so she went down to the jungle to Terrapoto, Peru and lived down there for four years, studying the plants, doing everything. And yeah, she, she told me how to navigate that medicine, that particular medicine and went down there. Uh, But there you have to, with ayahuasca, you do ceremonies and uh, we did four ceremonies. That was it. I did three, but uh, because my mind was kind of blown after the first night, but yeah, uh, that with the diet, you had to be stricter with the diet. So five days before, Five days before, the, uh, here, here, let me, (laughs) yeah, let me get the, the
0: yeah, yeah, Yeah. we got Cyrus coming in to crash. Keep talking, it's okay.
1: Okay. Uh, So, five days before with the medicine, you can't have sex, you can't do coffee, you can't do a lot of stuff. And, but you have to respect the medicine. If you don't respect the medicine, the medicine's not going to, react well with you, you may not see anything. And I talked to some of the shaman after that in the town and they told me uh, that they really don't like a lot of what we call the freaks and geeks, the hippies, so, so to speak, because they're not disciplined. They just look for another high mm-hmm. and they like the veterans because the veterans are disciplined. They're here to get something out of it. This isn't another cool guy thing to do to tell your buddies. It's like, we're here to heal. Uh, or a spiritual awakening. A lot of people have, uh, you know, like I said, it's entheogenic that, it, again, the Boiti tribe, uh, when it's Easter, when it's Easter, they take, uh, some of these tribes, they take iboga, and uh, they talk to God. That's their thing. And that's what what it does for them. But yeah, so we went into the jungle, uh, met the guy, Chris Osmond, I believe it is. He runs a lot of Medicina. And I was skeptical of him going in. And this will play out later uh, with some of the things I saw. He is a Westerner. He uh, He's in a tarot card reading. You know us. We check everybody right, out. Right, right, right. We're all, I'm like, tarot card reading? I'm like, get out of here, bro. Like, you're trying to scam me in the jungle? And, uh... And, uh... Let me get serious No,
0: no, like you that. keep talking. It's fine. It, it, I, I think the mic won't, won't blend. Okay.
1: Over. So, so the, uh, go into the jungle. And I was skeptical of this guy because I was like, man, what is, we're going to get conned out in the middle of the jungle because I hear this stuff. And it, it, it happens, you know, it, it, especially now as it gets more popular with people, the, uh, the frauds are coming out. The con men are coming out and I, Honestly, I just pulled up one today, uh, uh, retreat. That's a, that's a con job, and I didn't. And it's right on DuckDuckGo. The first one that popped up is a con. So, I uh, again, I went in. I was skeptical. I trusted Jesse Gould. He's like, you know, here, this guy's legit. So the first night we go in, I went in with some other uh, veterans. Some of them were special operations veterans, and we just we. We went into the space. It was an, another amazing experience. This one was more physical because abogaine is inner. Mm-hmm. Ayahuasca is outer. You deal more with nature and you meet nature or mother. aya is what they call it. And she is the, some people encounter her in the form of a serpent. It eats you and it rebirths you as a rebirthing experience. And so, my first, uh, the first night we really did a lot of work. The medicine did a lot of work on us. And again, your coaches teach you how to, to navigate the medicine because you want to get the best out of this experience as possible. And these are professionals that are guiding you. Uh, and I would ask questions again, you have questions, you ask questions like, what's this, what's that, uh, had amazing visuals. Uh, just, I mean, it was, it was the kaleidoscope, but it was just, everything was moving is just infinite beauty, and some of the artists, some of the uh, ayahuasca artists, they take ayahuasca, they go under, and when they come out, they paint their visuals, and um, that that's that could be a whole another episode with some of the ayahuasca artists. But yeah, and then the next, I was my mind was kind of blown because I did ibogaine a month before, so they set me out, and I didn't do ibogaine, I mean the ayahuasca the second night. And that shows the professionalism of the shaman because he, you know how it is, most people just want to load you up with whatever they got going on. He he was professional enough to say, hey, your mind's blown, you got to sit out right now. So the second night, I just held space and just listened to everybody go into it. And again, this was filmed. This is being filmed for a documentary. Uh, you know, There's some video that'll be released. So Those are being put together and there's going to be some stories. There's a... Uh, a journalist that was there too, who went through the experience with us. Uh, because again, as a journalist, you know, you can't write about it. You got to do it. Right. So, uh, and if that's something you're interested in, I could link you up with him later, but, uh, he's a journalist. And so, uh, the third night, well, the third day we were there Everybody Just, they just relaxed. They, they just let their minds absorb everything they'd seen. A lot of people had painful experience. They were purging, I uh, only purged the whole time I was there. I did three ceremonies. And uh, the third the third time we did the ceremony, which was my second time, I it started talking to me, the medicine, the same guy that was with my ibogaine. He started talking to me. And he goes, hey, this shaman is good. That's why he led you to him. I was like, okay. Because he knew I was skeptical of him. Mm-hmm. And so... Went through that whole ceremony, went, went through that, and honestly, that was just download of information. Just people in my life, how to deal with them, how to talk to them, what's going on with them. For example, why is this person an asshole? Well, this is happening in their life. They're suffering from this, this, this. You need to be more understanding of that. Mine was, the big thing about me was I need to be more patient with people because I'm usually very aggressive, and I think you can attest to that. So you know, it gives you downloads, tells you how to, how to help out, and, yeah, and the next night, uh, oh, in that third night, and they say your body dies, people are in intense pain, and I guess it kind of does. I mean, my, there were people in there that were, you know, it was kind of loud, and I couldn't get into the space. It was very difficult. So when the candle came on and everybody started waking up, getting out of it, that's when I get, it started going after me. It waited till everybody was out of their uh, ayahuasca experience. Then it started going after me. And I felt intense pain through every cell of my body. It was on fire. Talk to me about that. Oh, it's just I was just thrashing left, right, kicking over everything. I think there's video of that too. And the candles zones usually it's pitch black and you hear everybody kicking around and all that stuff. But it was just every cell of my body was on fire. It, you know how your stomach it hurts, you're bent over in pain. You're mm-hmm. like it's because it's pinpointed right in your stomach. That was every cell. And you don't know what. And somebody's like, where's the pain? You don't know what to say because it's like, it's everywhere. And it felt like hot pokers everywhere, just prodding you. And uh, yeah, the uh, sh- shaman, Chris, comes to his Miles, are you okay? Are you okay? And I'm like, yes, I'm transforming. That's what I said. I don't even know why I said that, but I just said it. And one thing was, is like, I was incredibly hungry the whole time. I was like, I need food. I need food. I'm hungry. And I don't know why that was. But uh, I think that was part of the experience as well. But going back to my first ceremony that of that Peruvian trip, I was brought into, I saw, I went into this space really quick because I started doing breathing exercises too. Because I know breathing gets me into it. Mm-hmm. So I started doing a lot of breathing exercises. and I went into it pretty quick. And I remember being birthed as a baby in heaven and everybody waited on me. And that's a form of purging is what Jamie later told me.
0: So you felt like your whole body was rewired at the
1: cellular level. Yeah. It was just intense pain. And I, I was like, am I dying or what's going on? I mean, and then later, I was like I wasn't even speaking. It wasn't even coming from me. It was just, yeah, I'm transforming. And then later, they left me in there. I was by myself. And you're in the middle of the jungle. You're hearing uh, nature's noises. And then later, I purged. And it was a brown sludge. And you know, if you purr, if you throw up, you see like water or food. It's right. none of that. It was a brown sludge. And then the next night it told me, uh, and I'll go into the next night. Uh, the next night told me, yeah, we you had poisons and toxins inside of you. And we had to purge you of that. And you look at me now, I've lost 10 to 15 pounds since ayahuasca. So I've dropped around 25 pounds since all of these experiences. And I always Recognized like I was always so bloated. I was like, man, why am I so bloated? And it was just all the processed foods and everything inside your stomach, inside your body. So in that last ceremony, it was again, it was loud in there. I couldn't get back into space. You know how it is, your last night anywhere. You want to blow it out, right? Disney World, whatever, let's blow it out. And I was like, Man, I'm not gonna, nothing's gonna happen. And it's my last night. And it's going to be a total bust and very regretful experience that last night. And then, uh, why was it a regretful experience? Uh, because of, uh, just regretful in a sense of, it it wasn't regretful. When the light, when the candle came on and everybody was coming out of it, I, uh, the, the candle came on, everybody's coming out of it. The, uh, the medicine told me <laughs> <laughs> so the, the medicine told yeah, the you the medicine told me we were we were waiting on on everybody to leave now we work on you and i went to sleep and when i woke up i felt every cell of my body i felt every cell of my body electrified and i was one with nature and all of nature's noises i could hear throughout everything. And so as, as the nature, you know, the crickets are pulsating. My body was pulsating with nature. And, uh, then these, these voices started saying, Hey, come and, uh, start saying, Hey, come with us, come with us. And I was like, Whoa, there's not anybody here to hold space. There's not a shaman here, you know? And so I, uh, I called on the guide. I was like, Hey, is it safe? Can I trust these, uh, whoever this is like, yeah, trust them, go with them. So I went with them and they took me to this other world and they took me and they talked to me like, we are nature. What does this other world look like? Oh, uh, it wasn't a galaxy. It wasn't space. It was more so just, it's like green is the like valleys, like green valleys. ever' is like where nature lived, where those spirits lived. And I went to this and it just took me everywhere. And it goes, we are nature we are everywhere. We hear everything. I go, do a lot of people come here? And they're like, no. And I could call on this guide at any moment. So it's safe. And you know, it's kind of scared. You, I think you've done ayahuasca before. You have to have a shaman there just in case. Right. And a, a shaman wasn't there and I was really scared. And so I just surrendered. It was like the, the, this felt so good. And I'm, you know, just my every cell, I don't even know if I was in my body, but I was electrified and I was just coursing through this other world And then it brought me up to this huge like mountain and it goes, you're the serpent, which, you know, the spirit animal, I heard about all this and I'm like, you know, man, like, okay, this is some bullshit, you know, like your spirit animal, but no, it says you are the serpent. I was like, okay. And it just talked to me some more soothing and goes, Hey, bring us more people so we can heal them. We feel sorry for the humans. We want to heal them. He said, God created us, nature, in nature, we created the plants to heal the humans, which I thought was pretty cool. And uh, and to go back to my first ceremony too, when it comes to the outer body experience, I left my body and and again, going to why a shaman so important, especially a w- experience when I left my body and I started floating off. And then the shaman he sings to bring you back to the baseline, bring you back into the space. And then his little uh, apprentice came over. Ground me. It was like Miles, come back, come back, Miles, come back. So I floated back into my body. He's put out his hand. He's like grab my hand. So I grabbed his hand to bring myself back into my body because I floated off and I could see everybody in the room in the jungle. Yeah, you read about a lot of people
0: getting messed up when they go down there because they you can't do any fly by night company. I mean, you need no. uh, you need a the guy I did was through vetted by another person and. They play the flute, all that stuff. Works. It's, it's wild, because it, yeah, you, know, you and I were both kind of the same. And that you're, you know, you're a southern boy, classically masculine. I'm kind of Midwest, and you look down on, you know, Woodstock, Woodstock hippie weirdos yeah. and freaks. And come on, like what yeah. kind of, what kind of, yeah, what kind of loser does you know LSD and other other kind of
1: drugs? But the fluting, there's a reason all of that stuff works. Yeah, it's it's, and the thing is, I'm glad you touched on that. It's a process. And that's one reason. Come on, it's a process because what I'm worried about. A lot more people are getting into this, and I met some of them when I was down in Peru. And it's again, it's like one of these luxury clubs. They come in, they do their thing, and and the people don't get the best experience. I had some somebody was there in our who did uh, ayahuasca with us, and she'd done it before in America, and. She said this was nothing like America. The, the one in America is like 0.01% of what happened in Peru. It was way more intense. It, just a much better experience. And the process down to the diet, I had a guide before I went down to, to the jungle. Same deal. At, I wrote down a list of questions. And then uh, going down to Peru, actually there, they have a whole process, a ritual that you have to go through. And that's why I want to tell everybody the, the process is important because if you don't abide by the process, the plants aren't going to talk to you. You're not going to get anything out of it. And one of the people who's experienced in that town I talked to, some of these hippies go down there and they don't abide by the process. They're like, oh, whatever, this is another drug. And nothing happens when they take the ayahuasca, and that's why. Because the plants don't respect them because they don't respect the plants.
0: It's a very Yes, yeah, a very serious experience. I've For me, I put... Oh, About five days, I think. I prepped. I, I I flew down to South Africa. I went on very long hikes. Like, like I said, No, cleaned out the diet. No dairy, no caffeine. Apparently, uh, dairy can interfere with ayahuasca. There's some kind of mechanism. I forget. Yeah, no milk. Yeah, no yeah, yeah. Nothing like that. And I did the Wim Hof breathing, a lot of meditations. So I had a very positive experience. And people who don't prepare for it, they also can have really bad freakouts because they didn't treat it seriously.
1: Yeah. If you don't treat it seriously, uh, you're not going to get the best side of the experience. It is uh, a traditional ritualistic experience and you have to respect it. Uh, It's not a drug. It's 100% organic. Ayahuasca is brewed with another plant. Um, It's, and there's, but a shaman has to do it. There's different ways to cut it, cook it. You just can't do it yourself. I actually knew of another guy, soft guy, who was cooking it like in his garage, never worked. You just can't right. do this yourself. know he's like cooking it himself and drinking it. And he's still an asshole, right? right? It's like, yeah, you have to be a shaman. Uh after that whole experience, I hung out in the town, which is an awesome town, and I found another shaman just out of curiosity. I went into this jungle. It was me and a taxi cab driver, like walking through the jungle. It's like apocalypse now. And I go into the jungle and the guy's name, I think, is Roberto. And, uh, it's, it's these huts everywhere and his, his brothers are healers, everything. And I go, I, we go through this little hut village. I go in the back and I see smoke coming out and it's somebody's cooking ayahuasca. And I go, Roberto, is that you? He's like, see, sí. I was like, I don't speak Spanish. And there's a guy in a hammock and he looks like a white guy. I'm like, Hey, you speak English. He's like, yeah, I speak English. He's a French guy. And he started translating and then after a while, like he looked weathered. He was beaten down, not beaten down, but he lived in the jungle for a while. You could tell. And like, man, how long have you been in the jungle doing this? He's like, Ten years I've been an apprentice. So it's not fly by night. No. And, <laughs> and <laughs> well, if you do it right, if you do it right, if you do it
0: wrong, you end up with a bunch of complete idiots freaking out, screaming, roo- oh, ruining yeah. the whole vibe.
1: Yeah, yeah. Just Honestly, just drama queens. I went with two.
0: I went with two other people. I, I did. We did a private. That's one thing about when you do it and you're a little bit older in life with a little bit of cash. I just I did it with two other people and we had our own private shaman. Went to a private farm in South Africa. Luckily, we weren't killed in, in a in farm murder. You know, but there were signs everywhere and you could hear the dogs and and everything. That's the right way to do it none of this tour guide stuff hanging out with them because a lot of people too like especially a lot of like creepy guys or whatever, th- they think they're going to go down there
1: and, like meet chicks or whatever and this yeah. is this is real work yeah you, and besides you're not even supposed to be having sex anyway so right there you're wrong yeah I mean five days before, five days after no sex, not even masturbation, none of that stuff and because it's in your system and and that's the thing ayahuasca, the spirit lives in you after that. You can ask it to leave at any moment. And I did. I talked to nature and I was like, listen, uh, they say, yeah, we, we want to heal the humans. Uh, we stay within the humans. Well, if they ask you to leave, will you leave? It's like, yes, we're not there to occupy. We're there to help. Well, I said, well, I want you to stay, stay with me. It's like, good. We want to stay with you too. So yeah, it's not one of these things you go there to get laid, uh, <laughs> And if you are in one of those, if you feel that vibe, especially if it's coming from a shaman or anything, get out of there.
0: Yeah, get out because you're about to be. Well, and it's
1: not only like, here's the thing. Some of these people, they dabble in dark energy and it's out there. And the dark energy is out there. People want to dabble in it. They want to play with it. And uh, that's why I like going to vetted people because I know who's who. And the only way to really find out who's who is kind of hold space, do some ayahuasca with them. All right, my friend, do you want to plug anything before we go? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, I want to plug the coaches who are so great to me, uh, in the company being true to you. Uh, Deanne founded it. Um, Evan Osmat is my abugain coach. Jamie Lerner is my ayahuasca coach. Uh, if you want to find me, uh, go to Instagram at transhuman broadcast or Facebook transhuman broadcast or Twitter. And yeah, welcome to the university of the forest. All right.
0: Thanks again, man.